Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. My God almighty, it is 8.47 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the second month of 2023 already. It is February 1st. 2023 that means groundhog day is right around the corner did you get your groundhog day presents do you have your groundhog day cake ready you got your meal planned out because it's groundhog copalypse day i love it okay now speaking of apocalypse noster oh my god we're gonna get into a little bit of noster uh we're also gonna get into a, a little bit deeper in the whole ordinals thing today uh, hopefully there's, I've picked a good explainer for what's going on there. Uh, it probably won't answer all the questions. No. And then, uh, we've got a use case for ordinals that I didn't see coming. Uh, I'm just going to say it this way. I posted a note on Domus, uh, for the Noster network that basically says no fucking totalitarianism is the only NFTs that I will accept. And we'll get into that one, too, with a little bit from Matt O'Dell. No, he's not on the show, but he does have a, a Noster event out there that uh, uh, sheds some light on the subject. What else we got going on? Uh, we're going to talk about Noster as well, okay? There's a couple of articles in here, and one of them is sort of a, hopefully, a grassroots explainer. You know, something that you can dive into from the ground up. A lot of new people came on Noster last, yesterday. We'll get into why. Um, but a lot of them are asking, what, what is a relay? What do they do? These are good questions. Yeah. How do I block? How do I mute? Is it possible? How, and the ever present, I just discovered that I can't delete a post off of Noster. That's the neat part. You can't, (laughs) you you can't once it's out there, dude, it's out there. Yes, there's there's a couple of clients out there that will, you know, allow you to, you know, says that they allow you to delete it. Technically, it's an overwrite, I think is how they're calling it. But honestly, I, I'm not sure if it actually works. I think you can pick up pretty much anybody's note. Once they've written it, it's, it's, it's out there. It's on all the relays. And as long as it's out there, it's being picked up by more relays. And again, we'll hopefully we'll get into what relays are, how the Noster network works a little bit. We'll, we'll do all of that. And then we've got some tether news and some federal judge news and some four ways not to attack Bitcoin stuff. Now, first up, I'm going to get away from anything Bitcoin, anything Noster, any of that for the first few minutes of the podcast, and I want to talk to you a little bit about biochar. Now, what is it? Well, it ain't Kingsford. It it ain't lump charcoal from Royal Oak either. All right. All of which is technically charcoal. Biochar is different. 
Why? Well, because it's baked, not fried. No, it, no, kinda. Yeah, it's baked longer than charcoal. See, when you put wood in a pile and you light it on fire and you let it smolder, you don't you want it to burn to ash. Yeah, you're making charcoal. It's a low oxygen environment and everything's great. But after a while, you, 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 you squelch it with water or, you know, tarp it with, a, you know, some kind of fire, fire retardant fabric to kill the fire, let it cool down so that you can bag it and all that kind of stuff. But it's got a lot of organic chemistry still in it, like terpenes and triterpenes and aromatic compounds and all in ar aromatic compounds doesn't necessarily doesn't mean, oh, it's aromatic, it smells good, it's like an herb. No, that's not what aromatics is. What we're talking about is a, a ring of carbons. Once you have a ring of carbons, usually there's five to six carbons in a carbon aromatic ring, it's an aromatic, which means that it's volatile. And most of them, at least the ones in charcoal, are flammable, right? There's a lot of gases, there's a lot of stuff still in charcoal and that's why it burns so long that's why it gets so hot biochar isn't that biochar is baked to the point that all of those aromatics and all of those terpenes and all of the anything that you can think of that would be an organic chemistry type molecule is burned out of it organic chemistry basically means nitrogen carbon oxygen hydrogen containing compounds like fats that is a hydrocarbon hydrocarbon is a well actually it's a carbo well it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of in between like uh, okay flour carbohydrate you know wheat ground up wheat carbohydrate organic chemistry why carbon oxygen hydrogen like and then uh uh like all the stuff in your body all the cells they're made up of organic chemistry Carbon, hydrogen, oxygen in different configurations, some with nitrogen, some with phosphorus, some with the uh, link to iron. But generally speaking, when we talk about organic chemistry, we're talking about carbon, oxygen, hydrogen in various combinations. And that pretty much drives all life on the planet. And if it exists anywhere outside the universe, probably throughout the entire universe, be that as it may. When you make charcoal, like you're making Kingsford or Royal Oak or something like that, a lot of that organic chemistry is still inside of it. When you make biochar, you boil all that shit out because you're baking it for so much longer. And if you were to try to use biochar on your grill, you're gonna have a bad time. Why? It ain't nothing but carbon. Yeah, it'll get hot. Yes, it'll burn like that. It'll, be, it'll burn and then it's gone. So unless, unless you've got, you know, like a razor thin steak that you want to put on a grill, you might be able to get away with cooking that son of a bitch. But honestly, this is not, this is for animal consumption. It's for putting in soil. It's for putting in compost and all kinds of stuff. Now I preface, this is just a huge preface from the one thing that I want to get to. It's a battery. And I, for those of you who know what biochar does, you're thinking, yeah, it sure is, Dave. I've heard you talk about it before. It stores, it stores nitrogen and urea, and it, it you know, provides soil bacteria and uh, fungi and other little critters a place to live. Because if you look at a lump of biochar, if I were to crumble it all up 
into just dust. And I was to lay out each piece of dust end to end, side to side, and get a big panel of just a flat surface. Okay, if I were to measure all of its surface area in a fist-sized lump of charcoal or biochar, I'm looking at four to five football fields of surface area, right? Now you fold all that up and, and get it folded all back up into a big old lump of charcoal. How does that work? Well, there's a bunch of pores. It's very porous. That's why a good chunk of biochar is extraordinarily light. It's almost imperceptibly, it has an almost imperceptible weight in your hand until you get to, you know, really large chunks, right? So if you look at this under like a scanning electron microscope, what you will see is these little cavities everywhere, 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 everywhere. And it's all basically almost pure carbon. There's no oxygen. There's no hydrogen. There's no organic chemistry. There's just mostly carbon. Yeah, you'll find a couple of stray molecules that's an aromatic, but don't don't beat me up for it, okay? Generally speaking, we're talking 99.9% .9 pure carbon. Now, why is this important? The, the, the importance is, first of all, that's where the surface comes in, surface area comes in. That's why if you crush it up, or if you were to somehow be able to measure all of the all of the surface area of all of the internal pockets or pores in a fist-sized lump of biochar, that's why you're going to get four to five football fields worth of surface area. That's what water attaches to. And that's gonna that's my whole point here about battery. So you're gonna have to bear with me for a little bit. Now, yes, these pores when they're in a lump of charcoal and they're not all spread out like a flat sheet of paper to, to you know, demonstrate surface area. When they're in their native format, like ground up uh, biochar and there's still like, you know, two, three millimeters uh, thickness or, or diameter of each one of these little chunks is kind of what you're after so that you have the whole apartment complex feel going on for your bacteria and your fungi, but also for your water. Okay, what and after you biochar when it first starts out is hydrophobic. It repels water. Doesn't like it. You got to soak that shit. You got to you got to treat it. And we're not going to get into treatment. You, we'll, we'll figure that out later. But just say that after a while, under you know certain exposures, yeah, it's going to become hydrophilic, which means that it loves water. And that's the thing with biochar is that it can hold anywhere between five and seven times its weight in water, but not like a sponge holds water. This is important to note. A sponge is able to capture water and keep it, but not for very long. You put a, a, a piece of, you know, a wet sponge out in the sun, come back an hour later, it's completely dried, lost all its water. Do the same thing with a lump of biochar. Only the very surface is going to be dry, but it'll still be heavy, about five times heavier than it normally would be because it's soaked up and is clinging to all of the water. What's the difference? Sponges have pores. Biochar has pores. So what's the freaking difference, man? It's the difference between adsorption and absorption. Adsorption is different than absorption. Absorption is what a sponge does. It's able to get water and it's able to hold it in its cavities, but it's just physically holding it. Add with AD, adsorption is a chemical bond. 
And it's not even really a bond as much as it's a mutual attraction, right? So carbon, carbon skeletons in the form of biochar, generally speaking, has kind of a positive charge. Chemically, it's sort of like the positive pole of a magnet. Water, generally speaking, is more electronegative, so it has more of a negative charge. So what happens is like a magnet, the negative charge of the water likes to sidle up next to the positive charge of the walls of the pores of biochar and it stays there. And it's harder to get it out than just simply like then how, how a sponge loses water. There's no ad a desorption. There's no adsorption. It's just a absorption or absorption. So there's not as much of a clinginess. Got it? That's important for the next part of the battery thing. Because yes, biochar will collect up, you know, like bacteria will move in, fungi will move in, all kinds of earth loving microbes and communities will move into this thing and have a little party. And then they start having sex and starts having little children, right? Water moves into it too. And nutrients like phosphorus, uh, nitrogen, all kinds of micro element, all kinds of micro minerals and stuff like that. They all move in and they all cling, right? It's a big party and we're not invited. That's not the battery. I'm actually talking about an electrical battery. Uh, uh, it, I'm, this is, I'm speaking of nothing more at this point. Yes, it does all that other stuff as a battery, but I'm talking about an electrical battery, like a nine volt battery, like a double A battery, like a D cell battery that you put into your freaking mag light so that you can club the intruder over the head with it. And if you've ever been hit by a mag light with four D cell batteries in it and survived, you might actually be able to go around with Mike Tyson. Otherwise, how does this work? I've got a surface that's positively charged. Water goes in, in its, you know, basic form, it's kind of negatively charged, and it sidles up next to the positive charge of the walls of the biochar. What happens after you get a little bit further away from that adhesion point? where the water is adhered or adsorbed to the walls of the carbon. You get positive charge again, but it's positively charged water, hydronium ions. Where the hell am I getting all this? I'm getting it from a book called Structured Water. And in the first three pages, a suspicion that I had always had was answered. Now, Structured water, we won't get into exactly what it is because that would take entirely too long. But think about it this way. I've got a positive plate, the carbon. I've got a negative plate, the regular water that is sidled up next to it in adherence or adsorption. And then I've got hydronium ions that are in the middle. By definition, these are plates of a battery. If you look at an old lead acid battery and, and many batteries that we have today, if you were to cut it in, into the side, not all batteries do this, by the way, lithium ion doesn't actually work this way, but hold on. Yeah. Okay. But 
um, because they're not plated. But in the old days, that's how this shit worked. I cannot look away from the fact that just carbon, biochar, or yeah, well, biochar and water by itself has the chemical potential to be an electrical battery and then we bury it in the soil. I wish I could get into why that's important right now. There's not enough time, but I want you to start thinking differently about things. What we thought was just a lump of charcoal has every chemical potential in the world to actually provide straight up electricity in the soil, much less what, you know, being able to hold on to water, making a home for bacteria and fungi, and all of the bacteria and fungi associate with roots of plants. And there's a whole market force that goes on there between plants and the little critters in the soil that exchange nutrients. Plants give the little critters in the soil carbon in the form of exudates. And guess what? It unlocks their ability to release all manner of stuff like minerals, like, oh, like small amounts of maybe small amounts of chromium, iron, you know, uh, nitrogen-based stuff, phosphorus-based stuff that is in a plant available form. And without this association, there's no life on earth. And I have a suspicion that it's all being charged up by the battery potential of carbon skeletons that are in the soil because whether I put biochar into the soil or not makes no fucking difference. Forest fires have happened without people. Grass fires have happened without people all over the planet. Every square inch that has vegetation on it at one point or another has been burned more times than one. That's biochar. When left to its own devices, nature provides its own biochar. Why? This entire planet that you're sitting on is a, it's an electrical station. It's all electrical, man. I got some stuff you should read, dude. Speaking of, boostograms. We're going to move away from that because it's getting me too charged up. (coughs) Pun intended. Bubba, 21,120 sats. That's a rush boost, brother. 2112. Thanks for the company through an ice storm from Tupelo to Little Little Fork, I think is what he's saying, but it says Rovk, R-O-V-K. He's probably bouncing around in the cab of his truck again. You missed all the fun. No, Bubba, I don't want to be in an 18-wheeler tractor trailer barreling down the interstate in an ice storm. I don't want to do that shit in a go-kart much less with, I don't know how much your shit weighs, but I'm pretty sure it's multiple tons and I just don't want to have any part of that. But I'm glad that you're safe, man. Uh, Van Man Jr., 20,000 sats. Woohoo, thanks for the time. Here's some treasure. Fatoshi has actually several in here today, which is awesome. Uh, 1,011 sats, I read a headline. Celsius was a Ponzi. I'm shocked. Another one from Fatoshi, 1,001 sat, accidentally boosted an old show. Well, it's not like it, it's not like I don't appreciate it, bro. Uh, let's see, Elf Dub 7, 444 sat says, I have a small Bitcoin tattoo, but it isn't visible. Got it from an orange-pilled friend, never photographed or posted about it, etc., but still feel bad about it. 
don't do it. Also been following Casey, which is also at Rod Armor for a few months now. Glad to see the hard worker gets the attention he deserves. Thanks for the episodes, David. Yeah, you're welcome, dude. I'm glad you're listening. So thank you. Nick underscore dose, 369 Satoshis with his usual cheers. Yeah, cheers, brother. Uh, Fatoshi for three in a row here. To the moon with 111 sats. 101 sats, don't drink and boost. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and Fatoshi again, 100 sats says, boom, baby. So there are yesterday, or actually Monday's shows, Boostergrams. I appreciate each and every one of them. They're all important to me. Not just the sats. You, you guys had to take the time to do all that. That's time you'll never get back. That's time you gave me. You actually gave me treasure in more ways than one. Think about that. Now, on to, on to ordinals. Let's, let's do, yeah, let's do this one first. I want to make sure that this, oh, hold on. I got something that's going on. Yep, yep, okay. Yeah, okay, ordinals. I talked about it a little bit. So let's start, let's start with this one from Matt Odell. Now, Odell is on Noster. I can't see him on Twitter. Why? Because I'm perma-banned. But he is being fairly active over on Noster. And I am picking this up through my web browser or my, my web client, which is nostergram.co. That's N-O-S-T-R-G-R-A-M.co. To date, this is my favorite web client. I love this thing. But be that as it may, Odell says, using inscriptions to host and share ghost gun files on Bitcoin. And he's got a screenshot. The headline is, and this is, the screenshot is from Stacker News. Uh, put ghost gun STL files on ordinal inscriptions. Uh, and the body of the post says, one of the major problems, in my opinion, of ghost guns is the access to files. Some countries are very good at censoring these files. And while I know that nothing is ever really deleted from the internet, everything remains accessible. It does seem to me that the priority is to make these files as accessible as possible to those who need them. Ordinals inscriptions currently allow writing data up to four megabytes in the most redundant and censorship resistant registry that exists today. For the benefit of all, and if you can afford it, please consider the option of registering these files in that registry. And he gives two, uh, two addresses for uh, web addresses. Ordinals.com forward slash inscriptions and docs.ordinals.com forward slash guides forward slash inscriptions.html. And then he ends it with thank you. Ordinals. I was bitching about him the other day. It's possible that I may be fully wrong. I don't know. My jury is still way out on this. However, if an NFT has to exist, it might as well exist in the form of something that is directly against totalitarianism, authoritarianism, and all them other isms that, you know, basically don't do anything but make us sad. Right? So, ordinals. What, 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 W2F is an ordinal? Let's find out. Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey is writing this one. 
A project called Ordinals has launched on the Bitcoin blockchain, effectively enabling Bitcoin native on-chain NFTs. Led by former Bitcoin Core contributor Casey Rod Armour, the protocol is a convention for numbering and transferring individual Satoshis on the Bitcoin network. ORD, O-R-D, a specific implementation of ordinals, quote, is a wallet and explorer that allows tracking the location of specific Satoshis and their ordinal numbers assigned by the ordinals protocol as well as viewing, creating, and transferring inscriptions. That is, individual Satoshis inscribed with arbitrary content, the press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine states. The introduction of ORD and inscriptions brings NFTs to Bitcoin, allowing content such as images, videos, and HTML to be included in a Bitcoin transaction and assigned to an individual Satoshi. Quote, Inscriptions, using the Ordinals protocol, are fully on-chain and do not require a sidechain or separate token, the release reads. Inscriptions inherent, oh sorry, inscriptions inherit the simplicity, immutability, security, and durability of Bitcoin itself. Since its release, the project has attracted a great amount of debate in regards to the impact of Ordinals and inscriptions upon Bitcoin. Supporters of ordinals like Dan Held describe it as a net benefit for Bitcoin saying, quote, it brings more financial use cases to Bitcoin and drives more demand for blocks, block space, also known as fees. Meanwhile, critics of ordinals like Blockstream CEO and longtime Bitcoiner Adam Back explain that Bitcoin is designed to be censorship resistant. That doesn't stop us mildly commenting on the sheer waste and stupidity of an encoding at least do something efficient. Ongoing debate seems to stem from discussions in regards to the potential usage of block space and increase in bandwidth necessary to run nodes as a result of inscriptions. Regardless of the debate, the Ordinals project continues unfazed, reads the, God, I'm having all kinds of problems today, reads the press release, my God, with contributors continuing to add new features such as provenance, collections, composability, and a decentralized marketplace, end quote. Ordinals and inscriptions could prove to be an interesting catalyst for Bitcoiners to re-examine the social dynamics that shape Bitcoin development, while the positive or negative impacts of ordinals specifically may be up for debate, renewed interest in how projects and technical implementations are built on Bitcoin is a healthy sign for the network. Okay, thank you, BTC Casey. I appreciate that. Uh, I hope that you kind of you kind of get a little bit more oriented as to what's going on with this whole ordinals thing. Now, again, my jury is 100% still out. I don't know what to think about it, but my gut is saying, and honestly, it's being driven by Matt O'Dell's post. Gun files. I'm not a picture of a rock, not a picture of a monkey, not some stupid shit, but a gun file. And I can, here's the thing. If I know the inscription, I can go find it. I can get the file. Now, somebody may claim that they own it because they own the Satoshi that it's on. But with a block explorer, I should be able to read that inscription or any embedded files. And a gun file, like how to print, 3D print 
like a lower for an A, I don't know, AK-47 or an AR-15 or something like that, I find that of high value, but that's because I, I'm, I bend libertarian. Can't help it. It's always going to happen. If you don't like guns and you listen to this podcast, I don't talk about guns that often, but I believe that the only reason that the United States hasn't fully turned into the hell hole that Europe has is because we're armed, bitches. And that's not going to end, but we need shit like this to continue freedom. Yeah, I know guns do bad things. So do knives. What about that van that drove through that Christmas crowd and killed all those folks? That wasn't a gun nor a knife. That was a vehicle. Planes running into buildings. Yeah, there's that. So do we ban everything? Do we ban walking? Because I can go, I mean, if somebody's, you know, smaller than me and doesn't know jujitsu or something like that, I could probably kill them with my bare hands. But I don't go thinking about why, you know, to how to go do that. Or I have no reason to go do that. I don't want to kill no one. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, these things do damage. I get it. So does everything else. I can throw a rock at you. If I hit you right, you're fucking dead. You going to ban the earth? Doubt. I don't, I don't think so. So getting back to the, the issue at hand, Adam Back has proven to me that he kind of doesn't understand a little bit about Bitcoin. And I, I know, I get it. I'm saying heresy, but I'm going to say it anyway. Bitcoin is for enemies. And if Adam Back doesn't get that, then he's just flat wrong about a central function of Bitcoin. Now, he was a taproot proponent and Taproot is what enabled this shit to go down. And yet Adam Back missed the game theory that allowed ordinals to come into play, right? So he's fallible. He's human like everybody else. A lot of me wants to hate ordinals because it brings, quote, NFTs to Bitcoin. And yeah, there's probably going to be some bloat. And yes, the ETH heads are going to spam the Bitcoin network again. And we're going to get a fee, we're going to get a, uh, I don't know, a market-based fee rate. And they're going to be probably high. That's why, thank God we have the Lightning Network. That's how this shit works. It's more organic than anybody wants to believe. Yeah, it runs on computers. It can't be organic. Yes, it can. And this is a little bit of a, I don't know, this is a little roundabout, not roundabout, Okay, I'm just going to say it this way, the easy way, the vulgar way. Yeah, what I'm about to say is a little stupid, but silicon is in the same column in the periodic table as carbon is. We are based on carbon. We have life. We think it's all organic. I've got a, a, you know, I've just figured out that the carbon in the soil is like a fucking battery and Tesla probably knew all that shit, but maybe he didn't know how. But now I'm getting it that all the charcoal that has formed over the years in the soils is basically electrically charging all the topsoil in the world. And it's, a, it's an amazing discovery. It's organic. But silicon isn't. It's in the same column as the periodic table. So that's why it's kind of stupid. It's like, well, I, you know, so still not carbon. Well, what I'm getting at is that silicon forms four, four bonds. Carbon forms four bonds. Silicon may form five. I'm not exactly sure. I'm just saying, think of what's going on with ordinals as an end inscriptions 
in a way that isn't automatically negative and see what you come up with. What If you were to put something important, not stupid, in place of rock NFTs or Bored Ape Yacht Club NFTs or all the rest of the absolute 100% factually stupid bullshit that is going on with NFTs, but you replace that with something actually important, something that's going to do something, give somebody freedom, give somebody protection, is, is it worth it? I don't have the answer for you. I don't know what the answer is. But what I'm asking is to think about it in non-negative terms and also to think about it in non-positive terms. Don't automatically go, oh, well, shit, Matt O'Dell changed my mind. It's all good. Let's NFT the fuck out. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is to ply all of the neurons in your brain and think about it in a neutral stance. Most of the Bitcoiners I know absolutely loathe NFTs for good reason. But now there's... Every indication is, is that that kind of shit's coming to Bitcoin. Nobody can stop it. Not Adam Back, not Samson Moe, not Paolo Arduino, who's in the news today. Not any of these guys, not any of the OG Bitcoiners can stop it. Does that mean embrace it? No. It should mean we really got to think about this. If it's going to be possible, then make it have some utility. That's all I'm asking. Now on to Noster, Twitter killer, decentralized Twitter killer. Noster goes live on Apple's app store. That's right. Nam Cios is writing this one, by the way. Uh, Domus, the uh, iOS version of a Noster client, a client is a way to look into these worlds, much like Mastodon is a window to be able to look into the fed- the federated you know, network that is the quote-unquote Fediverse, Domus is a window. Its platform is the iPhone or iOS, which means that iPad can use it too, All right? Okay, so what is, what happened? The floodgates opened. That's what happened. Relays are burning down. So let's let's see if uh, Nomsios has some uh, information on the impact of Domus being released on Apple's uh, App Store. Decentralized social networking protocol Nostra is now officially live on Apple's App Store. Nostra spiked in popularity after former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey became an enthusiast of the technology, later making a 14 Bitcoin donation to its creator. The enthusiasm caused the protocol's most popular mobile app, Domus, to hit its beta testing limit of 10,000 users, which would prompt its developers to apply for a formal listing on Apple's App Store. Today, Domus was approved, and a full release is now available on the App Store for anyone to download. Pausing to say this, go download it, start using it, but give it a five-star review and actually spend the time writing a review. If you've got to make a decision between giving me a boostagram that you write or writing a five-star review for Domus after you've used it, then please pick the latter. It's important to me to have people get this app up into the most downloaded slot 
on Apple's app store so that people understand they can get away from Elon Musk. That's important. Continuing, Dorsey took to Twitter to comment on the news saying the launch was a milestone for open protocols. Noster, an acronym for notes and other stuff transmitted by relays is at its core exactly that. Users create an account purely by generating a key pair, one public and one private key through a client application. The public key is the user's ID. Say that again. The public key is the user's identification on the protocol, while the private key is akin to the user's password. The user can broadcast a message to the protocol by connecting to a relay and signing the message with their private key. Anyone can message a specific user by referring to their public key. Leveraging asymmetric cryptography, users can message each other privately by encrypting their message with the destination's users, destination user's public key, which ensures only, only the private key corresponding to that public key can decrypt the message. This is honestly, guys, this is me talking. This is useful in direct messaging. If I write something on the Nostra protocol and I sign it with my private key and it's just in global feed, everybody can see it. It's automatically decrypted by anybody who has their public keys on the network. DMs, different matter entirely. That takes a different decrypting session for any client to actually do, or at least those clients that offer DMs. Continuing, this dynamic is similar to Bitcoin. A Bitcoin transaction ensures, also through asymmetric encryption, that only the rightful recipient can decrypt the received funds, aka spend them in a future transaction. Bitcoin has since evolved from the simple send to public key dynamic used by Noster, but the core of the idea is still there. Noster is a niche product, as the protocol is very, very much in its infancy. Bitcoin, which is now 14 years old, is yet to be adopted globally, and Noster has but a fraction of that established history. Nevertheless, the technology is promising, given it's an open, censorship-resistant, and permissionless communications protocol. With Domus's listing in the App Store, Noster can now reach much more people than previously possible. Now, thank you, Domus, I appreciate that. Um, the floodgates, I mean, I saw it happen yesterday when, when the app store release, uh, was made, uh, was given to my attention. I could actually, to tell you the truth, I kind of knew something was up before I even saw it. And I got into about, I got, I opened a, a session on uh, Domus about 15 to 20 minutes after the app store listing. And I was like, what the hell's going on with my feed? It was just people. Hello, new to Noster. Uh, it does this work? What's a relay? I mean, it was just bam, 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 bam. I mean, just like my global feed was just on fire, dude. And then I got the news that the Domus app had been released on Apple's iStore, uh, Apple's App Store. Oh, this is going to be fun. I kind of like I'm I'm kind of imploring you. Yes, I know you're addicted to Twitter. Yes, I know it's a niche product. Yes, I know that. You know, well, Mastodon didn't take off. The Fediverse is still flailing. Well, it's kind of, honestly, I don't like the, I don't like the interface. This feels different. I can, I have been using computers for a long time and applications for a long time. There's a feel 
of certain protocols or certain applications or certain software packages, this one feels right. And I, I won't explain it any more than that because we've got other fish to fry. We're going to talk more about Noster. Uh, you know what though? We're 40 minutes in. Let me go ahead and run the numbers. Energy getting sacked, bro. West Texas Intermediate down 3.14% to $76.39. Brent North Sea down likewise 3.25% to $82.66. As you might imagine, natural gas taking the biggest hit, 6.5 points to the downside, all the way down to $2.50 a thousand cubic feet. That's really low. Gasoline down 4.68% to $2.44. Metals not doing any better at all. They're all in the red. Gold down a third to $1,938.30. Silver one and a half to the downside, $23.48. Platinum is just over 2% to the down. Copper is two and a half to the down. Palladium is one and a third points to the downside. All of ag is down, except for rough rice, which is the only winner today at 0.34% to the upside. Your biggest loser is coffee, 3.27% to the down. We've got Dow down over a point. S&P down two-thirds of a point. NASDAQ is down 0.4%. And S&P mini is down one-third of a point. Fuck y'all. I got real money here at $22,976.36. Word on the street was, is that it was at 33,500 sometimes, sometime during the night, but has lost all that. So you got a good old bark pattern going on, I guess. Uh, we've had 336,000 transactions passing around 419,000 BTC in 24 hours, 17, no, I'm sorry, uh, read the wrong line. 1.24 BTC is the average transaction value, median transaction value holding at 0.017 BTC or about 384 bucks. Block times are very high, 11 minutes and five seconds. So we've definitely lost some hash rate somewhere along the way. Uh, 0.16 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. Holy smokes, 21.6 BTC have been taken in fees in the past 24 hours. That is 25% higher than the highest amount that I've been seeing over the last couple of weeks. Easily, if not a whole 50% more. And here it is. Yes, 8.59% loss in hash rate. So we are all the way from 300 exahashes per second and higher down to 237.123 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator should tell you everything you need to know about shitcoin land. Nine United States pennies for every single shitty-ass Dogecoin. There are 16,800 transactions waiting on nine blocks to clear. We've got a $443.6 billion market cap, which is 3.5% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 12.1 ounces with your one Bitcoin, of which there are... 19,278,565.32 of and 5,294.9 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $121.8 million. 
being run over 16,063 nodes, sporting 76,338 payment channels. And God knows with Noster doing what it's doing, you're going to need them. Why? Because we can send lightning invoices over Noster. Did you not know that? You need to get Domus. Uh, 68.8% of all the activity on Lightning is being passed over Tor's 11,310 associated Lightning Network nodes, and that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Got one here from BitcoinNews.com. And yes, it's about Noster. It really is. In fact, it is entitled, What is Noster? Basic Concepts Explained. Listen up, boys and girls. I know that I just went through a whole bunch of Noster stuff, but this is important. So for all of you who are mad at me for continuing on with the Noster, I'm going to give you this one. You know who's behind Bitcoin? Putin. You betcha. Now, this is written by who? Pleb Poet. All one word. Pleb Poet for BitcoinNews.com. You may have heard of the new social network protocol, Noster. Well, we're going to discuss what Noster is, how it works, why it matters, and how you too can join Noster. So here's the introduction. Online, you send all kinds of updates to your circle. Updates about what you're doing, sometimes intimate details of your life, sometimes important announcements. You broadcast these to everyone you know using a media platform that is built, maintained, and created by people who are unknown to you and people who profit off of you. But it turns out that an infrastructure exists that makes it simple for you to build, own, verify, and run your communication system security. It's called NOSTER, which stands for Notes and Other Stuff Transmitted by Relays. Social media is just one application of the Noster protocol. This article covers the notes part of the name, but people smarter than me are discovering the other stuff that can be transmitted over relays. For now, the notes use case is the one to pay attention to. In a developer's own words, the innovation of Noster can be stated as such, quote, what if instead of building the perfect social media, we just build the most basic Lego it needs to create such things and let developer consensus emerge and open over this basic standard unit of the puzzle. As an introduction to Noster, we need to cover free and open source software. Briefly stated, FOSS, free and open source software, is the software written, maintained, and developed by public, by the public, using a license that allows anyone to take it, change it, or sell it. FOSS is the unsung hero of the age. It is a voluntary collaboration centered on principles. It is an emergent and flexible system that brings some of the best things we daily use into being. Developers and other participants are bringing Noster into being this way. You can see it all where it lives on GitHub. The essence of Noster is not owned by anyone. It is not a product generated by a company. It's not packaged and shipped ready to use. A long history of FOSS projects predates Noster and attempts to resolve the same problem that Noster does. But Noster is interesting because following the success and growth of Bitcoin, it has more widespread support than the average FOSS project. Still, 
There are those within the open protocol development world who don't see Nostra as a champion of free, decentralized, and censorship-resistant communication networks. It is an outlier, sure, and there's a lot of building still to do. My knowledge of, the, of its intricacies is limited, but the way I see it, if enough people have caught the Nostra wave, from early devs to seasoned engineers to willing participants, it is unstoppable, and its growth, inevitable. While Noster is without a single agreed-upon user interface, the upside is that it is great at drawing curious and burgeoning developers to it who can take the simple protocol and create their own app or service on top of it. In effect, there are many projects branching off of Noster that solve all the more complicated problems that come up between humans and computers. Many of these solutions are ready to use today. So Noster is protocol. Let's get that straight right out of the bag. Noster is a protocol. And a protocol is an interoperable set of rules accessible across different machines and coding languages. It's a list of actions that happen in sequence. Anything on the internet could be reconstructed as a protocol. In fact, Everything on the internet began as protocol, is initiated by protocol, and is built on top of, you guessed it, protocol. It's a puzzle piece that is abstracted away and disappears into the user interface. Let's take a look at the elements that make up Noster. Now here he's got a screenshot. I'm going to read them. Event, bracket, single quote, pub key, single quote, bracket, comma, this is the sender's public key. Now, I'm going to dispense with the brackets, but everything is basically bracket, single quote, sing, and then something in single quote, bracket, and then comma. So event created underscore at. That's the Unix timestamp. That's important. So we've got the public key. We've got a timestamp. Now we've got an event called kind. This is basically message kind or type a type of message. So we've got who sent it, when it was sent, and what kind it is. We've got an event called tags. Tags identify replies, recipients, and topics. And then we have an event called content. And that's what's in the note. So if I write, good morning, Noster, a whole bunch of things in the protocol have happened. First, I had to write that with my pub key. I had to sign it with my private key, but I wrote it under my public key. Now, the event that I just wrote, what time, what day, and they're using the Unix timestamp. Then there's a kind that says, oh, well, this is note. There are many kinds of events and more are coming. And then there's tags, like, did I tag somebody? Did I tag another public key? You know, uh, did I get a reply to that? Because that's important. And then the event of the content. Well, without me saying good morning, Noster, there's no content. If I don't like put in like a link to an imgur or rather an imgur image, I can't deliver the, you know, tasty memes. That's the content. Now, an event is the only type in Noster. You publish your events and you subscribe to others' events. Within an event, there are keys to authenticate it, timestamps to order it, kinds and tags to filter it, and content that you actually broadcast. To begin on Nostra, you will need to generate your public-private key pair. You have a pair of keys, 
because one of those is the one you share, the public key, can be understood as your username. It is how someone who wants to know what you're doing can subscribe to your content, but it looks a little different. And it's basically, it looks like, kind of looks like a wallet address. NPUB1, SG6PLZPTD, and then there's a whole bunch of other letters and numbers. Okay, you, you know the drill. Now, the private key is a longer string of the same public key. It can be understood as your password. This you protect. And it authenticates all of your activity. So Bitcoin and Noster. What does Bitcoin have to do with Noster? Well, Noster borrows features of the Bitcoin protocol that have proven to be efficient over time. In the nature of FOSS, what works moves. Plus, many of the developers who work on Bitcoin also work on Noster. This explains why the schema for generating public-private key pairs is the exact same for both Bitcoin and Noster. Did you get that? If you didn't, I'm going to read it again. The scheme for generating public-private key pairs is the exact same for both Bitcoin and Noster. Another feature they share is perhaps the most innovative and revolutionary of their functions. Noster persists via a global network of relays. Bitcoin persists, persists via a global network of nodes. The considerations and agreements that form these projects are very careful to include the ability to decentralize. Developers and other participants working in FOSS are guided by the pursuit of freedom. Therefore, inherent in these projects is the capacity for a single user to hold their own keys and run their own data. Nostra makes this possible by relays that store and send all of the information within the network. Making relays or servers as lightweight and simple as possible means that anyone can run one or several. This concept is mirrored in Bitcoin. Anyone can run a node where all the information in the blockchain database is stored. The Bitcoin protocol creates a path for peers to transact trustlessly as well as securely. The Noster protocol creates a path for peers to communicate trustlessly and securely. These are alternative internet infrastructures being built out in the public offering a way out of certain dystopic doom as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to pause right here to say this. When he says the Bitcoin protocol creates a path for peers to transact trustlessly, and then there's another sentence that says that the Noster protocol creates a path for peers to communicate trustlessly, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same. Which, it wouldn't surprise me if one day before I'm dead, I wake up and Noster is simply part of the Bitcoin protocol. Now, I'm not calling for that. I'm not suggesting that the devs try to figure out a way to get Noster into Bitcoin. I'm just saying that, you know, these things look so much alike. They're like the same person. Where It's like a, it's like a set of twins that aren't wearing the same clothes. I mean, have you ever seen like how many twins wear the exact same thing and it's creepy as fuck? One of these days we might wake up and these two twins are wearing the exact same thing. Continuing on, Noster is built different. The practical capabilities of Noster are not so different from what your social media apps already allow you to do. The outputs are identical, broadcast information from you to your network. But the unfortunate thing about social media apps is their governance model, reliance on advertising revenue, and censorship practices. 
Everything going in and coming out passes through their servers, making them the de facto arbiters of truth. This practice sustains the social media apps that have now become mega corporations poisoning communications. When you sign into your account, you agree to these terms of use, but you don't have to. The minds behind the social media apps that we use today know that there is a better way. And last year, Jack Dorsey, co-founder of and former CEO of Twitter itself, donated funds to support the continued growth of Noster. Jack is a guy who embodies the spirit of free and open source, and this is exactly why he left Twitter. And what does he do? Funds Noster. This is one of the biggest signals that the Noster protocol can work in place of the captured social media apps debauchery. So how do you get started with Noster? Again, in case you're not paying attention and I got to wake your ass up, how would you go about getting started with Noster? Well, I'm going to tell you, Noster.net and usenoster.org can supply you with helpful information as well as a list of relays to run or clients to use and other fun Noster projects. This, or rather, you can take this workshop, and that workshop is a link to a YouTube video, and you're you're just going to have to follow me on Noster to get this story, or remember that this is from bitcoinnews.com forward slash what is Noster, right? If you can't find it because this workshop just links to a YouTube video. Anyway, it says this workshop with Super Testnet from Pleb Lab to build your own Noster app you'll quickly see how scaled back and easy it is to work with the protocol. This workshop is awesome. An excellent walkthrough tutorial comes from BTC, BTC sessions on YouTube to get you fully set and ready to publish. You will have to look at the clients that are currently connected and running Noster Notes feed. Others with a more technical bent will benefit from reading the GitHub code base, especially Noster's NIPs or Noster implementation possibilities. These are specs that can have Noster do all kinds of things from group chat, uh, group chat to emoji reactions. Finally, if you're like me and you want to hear more before jumping in, I will point you to a conversation with William C. from the Thriller Bitcoin podcast. He is a contributing developer and his explanation of everything on the internet reimagined as protocol is worth a listen. In fact, this episode inspired my own curiosity into Noster. And yes, uh, Thriller Bitcoin. He used to be the producer of Rabbit Hole Recap before he started Pleb Lab in Austin. Uh, so it's, give him a listen. Yes, I know I'm promoting my competition. I don't care. We live in a different model. See, that's what I don't, I, I still don't get that. It's almost as if people have a fucking allergic reaction to promoting other people and talking about other people on their, on their website or their website, promoting other people's website on their website, promoting other people's um, podcast on their podcast. You know, fuck it. You know what my favorite podcast in the world is, is Rabbit Hole Recap, along with Tales from the Crypt, or T aka TFTC. I also like Guy Swan. That's right. Bitcoin Audible. That's his gig. I don't have a problem talking about, you know, the, my favorite podcast. I also listen to a shit ton of the Survival Podcast with Jack Spierko. He also is breaking into having at least a day of the week where he talks about nothing but Bitcoin. 
I hope at one point or another, he talks about Noster a little bit more, but whatever. So I do hope that you enjoyed this article by Pleb Poet from bitcoinnews.com entitled, What is Noster? Basic Concepts Explained. That way you'll be able to get to those links on how you too can get started with Noster. Now, done. Well, I'm done with Noster and ordinals. God, and we are what? An hour in, and I've only got to three or four of the things that I wanted to. So you know what? Let's continue. Strike launches instant cheap remittances for the Philippines using Bitcoin Lightning. Of course, Bitcoin Magazine and written by, of course, BTC Casey. Strike, the leading digital payments platform on the Bitcoin Lightning Network, has announced the expansion of its SIN globally products to the Philippines. This will allow for fast, secure, low-cost money transfers between the United States and the Philippines, which is one of the world's largest remittance markets ever. The Philippines relies on more than $35 billion annually, that's billion with a B, in money sent from abroad with over $12 billion coming from the United States alone. Strike has partnered with Pouch.ph to enable transfers from U.S. dollars to Philippine pesos, which can be received in a bank or mobile money account in the Philippines. Strike uses the Lightning Network to make digital payments faster, cheaper, and more accessible, particularly in countries with a high number of unbanked individuals. With SIN globally, dollars are converted into Bitcoin, sent via the Lightning Network to a third-party partner in the recipient's country, and then converted back into a local currency and sent directly to the recipient's bank or money, mobile money account. This eliminates the need for both the sender and recipient to worry about Bitcoin's tax treatment, dollar volatility, or custody implications. Quote, remittances are a broken system and Strike delivers an incredibly empowering experience for people to send money around the world in nearly an instant. Jack Mallers, founder and CEO of Strike, commented, further commenting, quote, we're excited to partner with Pouch.ph to advance financial inclusion and bring fast, low-cost cross-border payments via the Lightning Network to the Philippines. Our technology allows us to both improve on the existing cross-border experience and include those that have previously been excluded by those legacy payment rails. In quote, Bitcoin Magazine was fortunate enough to interview Mallers on the development, which can be viewed below. And indeed, they have an interview of him on YouTube. Send Globally was launched in December of 2022, starting with transfers from the United States to Nigeria, Kenya, and Ghana. Coin Corner has also partnered with Pouch.ph to enable remittances for European customers. With the integration of Pouch.ph and Strike, the cross-border payment experience has been revolutionized and has further empowered people to easily send money to their loved ones back home. Lightning will continue to expand more in, or rather, into more markets with more partners to provide better payment services to communities around the world. This is how the legacy system dies. It's not just being able to save money in a censorship-resistant and almost unconfiscatable way. I say Bitcoin's almost unconfiscatable because, let's face it, if you've got your 24-word seed phrase on your person and you get the shit beat out of you and they take it and they know what it is, you just lost your Bitcoin. So in a way, it very well is confiscatable, but it's really hard 
if you do it the right way, which means don't carry your seed phrase around with you. Don't do it. Make sure you also don't tattoo Bitcoin to your forehead. Okay, please. That's a bad idea. But this is how legacy bullshit dies the miserable death that it deserves. It has been the primary slaver of the world's population for more centuries than I care to think about. It's time to break free of the bullshit. And it's time, you know, and here's the thing. How do you know you're a slave? Nostra will never work. Bitcoin will never work. Lightning Network will never work. Any alternative to anything that is mainstream will never work. Your news site will never work because you're not CNN. You have identified yourself as a slave, someone who is incapable of free thought, someone who is incapable of introspection. You might as well go ahead and tattoo all of that shit all over your fucking forearms so that when you're walking down the street, I know that you're a goddamn idiot that I should stay away from. You want to be free? Start thinking in a different way. And you better start doing it right now. Not later. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The best time your time to change your mind about stupid bullshit was also 20 years ago. When's the next best time for both? Right now. When's the third best time? Anytime later. Whether it's now or 10 seconds from now, 20 years from now, after you're dead, you know, it doesn't matter. Anything in the future is the worst possible time to plant a tree or to think differently. I jump all over it, boys and girls, because time is running out, baby. Now, here are the four worst ways to attack Bitcoin. Wait a minute, let me make sure that I want to do this one because it's a little bit on the long side. I, no, you know what? I'm going to leave that one alone and go into just general news. Federal judge bars Sam Bateman fried from contacting FTX and Alameda employees using Signal. That's right. If he was on Nostra, they wouldn't be able to do shit about it because <laughs> they, they wouldn't be able to prove it was actually him unless they went to his house and got and made sure that he was in possession of his private key that he was using to sign actual messages. Think of the legal implement, implement, implications and the legal implementations, for that matter, of Noster. Can you prove that I sent that message? You don't have my phone number. You don't have my email. What you got is a public key. So they break into my house and all of a sudden they're like, where's your, we think you're this person on Noster. Prove it. If you find my private key, well, that even then that's smoking gun evidence, isn't it? Unless you actually catch me typing in my private key and sending a message that you receive, yet there's no proof that I am who the fuck I say I am on Noster Network, which has its bad and its good. If you know me, if you know my content, then you know I am who I say I am on Noster. See how this works? So using Signal, federal judges barring a person from being able to contact former FTX employees. And uh, the one that was presiding over the criminal case against former FTX chief executive officer, Sam Bakeman-Fried, has ordered he not have any contact with current or former employees 
of the exchange as part of his bail conditions. And in a February 1st ruling, Judge Lewis Kaplan of the Southern District of New York, of course, said that Bankman Fried was to be prevented from communicating with current or former employees of FTX or Alameda Research, except in the presence of counsel, in order to remain free on bail through, throughout his trial. As part of his ruling, Kaplan added that SBF could not contact anyone with encrypted messaging applications like Signal. Prosecutors claimed in earlier filings that the former FTX CEO had already used the app to reach out to FTX U.S. General Counsel Ryan Miller. Quote, the undisputed information available to the court regarding the nature and seriousness of the danger posed by defendants continued release on the existing conditions has changed substantially since he was released and there appears to be a material threat of inappropriate contact with prospective witnesses. That risk, the court finds, is clearly and convincingly sufficient to warrant the imposition of additional conditions pending the full argument of the cross applications, said Judge Kaplan. According to Kaplan, SBF was behind decisions to automatically delete Slack and signal comms between FTX and Alameda employees starting in 2021, telling former Alameda CEO Carolyn Ellison any potential legal case would be more difficult to build without proper documentation. He also cited signal messages with Miller and other methods contacting other current and former FTX employees in his ruling. The judge has yet to decide on whether SBF could be barred from accessing FTX and Alameda funds as part of his bail conditions. The Justice Department argued in a January 30th filing that Bankman Fried had reached out to FTX CEO John Ray, the guy overseeing the bankruptcy, to discuss ways to access the company's funds. Jesus, what a fucking moron. Judge Kaplan said he will listen to arguments on the matter in a February 7th hearing. Bankman Fried's trial scheduled, yeah, to begin in October in the U.S. District Court, blah, blah, blah. So that's all that we really need to know. Still, I mean, as much as I just said that Sam could have used something like Noster because it'd be, you know, damn near impossible to prove whether it was him that was contacting or somebody else, doesn't excuse the fact that reaching out to the guy overseeing the bankruptcy of your company that you're indicted under fraud for, you know, using to commit said fraud is about the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I just, this guy had to be a patsy. He's too stupid to set all this shit up on his own. He had to have had help. I'm being completely 100% tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist at this point. That motherfucker was a plant from the United States government and probably the European, you know, intelligence agencies as well to try to destroy or at least really screw up Bitcoin. And guess who screwed that up for everybody? CZ of Binance, <laughs> who took the kill shot without any introspection whatsoever. Because Binance may get hurt by his actions as well, but it's almost as if he was like, I just can't stop myself. I just, I have to do it. Oh my God, it's so funny. Now, Tether... Paolo Odoino and Tether are in the news today. Probably not good, but Helen Parts tells us about it from Cointelegraph. The Tether CTO denies borrowing from bankrupt lender Celsius. According to its chief technology officer, the company behind Tether, the world's largest stablecoin by market cap, has never received any loan from the bankrupt cryptocurrency lender Celsius. 
Paolo Odoino, the chief technology officer at Tether and Bitfinex Crypto Exchange took to Twitter on January the 31st to announce that Tether has never borrowed from Celsius. The tweet came in response to the Celsius bankruptcy examiner report, which allegedly mistakenly implied that Tether was among Celsius's borrowers alongside firms such as Three Hours Arrows Capital, which borrowed $75 million from the firm. Released on January, oh, I'm sorry, the tweet came in, where the hell did I, something jumped. I'm sorry, hold on. Yeah, released on January the 31st, the examiner report mentioned on page 183 that Celsius's loans to Tether were twice its credit limit. The report notes that Tether's exposure eventually grew to over $2 billion, which became an issue in late September of 2021 when it was described uh, to the risk committee as presenting an ex existential risk to Celsius itself, denying any exposure. To trouble Celsius, Arduino suggested that examiner Shoba Polay mixed up prepositions in the examiner report, actually meaning Celsius loans from Tether instead of Celsius loans to Tether. Quote, either is a typo or a mischaracterization, said Tether's chief technology officer when he wrote in a Twitter thread started by Financial Times reporter Kadim Schuber. Schuber also mentioned that the examiner report is associated with some level of miscomprehension, stating, quote, the examiner's report above describes Celsius having loans to Tether, but I think the exposure comes from Celsius having posted collateral in excess of the amounts it borrowed from Tether. As previously reported, Celsius allegedly borrowed $1 billion from Tether with Bitcoin in 2021. Uh, Celsius founder Alex Mashinsky stated that the company was paying an interest rate of between 5 and 6%. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so Tether FUD. Now, I don't use Tether. I never have. I don't see me actually having to use it unless I'm using it on rails that I don't know about. Like if I go buy a, I don't know, an ounce of weed or something like that from a Washington state dispensary, I'm sure somebody sells dope and they're using, they're allowing you to use your credit card because they're actually converting it maybe through the strike network to something else. And strike is using tether. And I, I think still does use tether for some reason in either event, I don't knowingly use tether, but the Tether FUD is, is kind of ridiculous at this point. I mean, it won't be ridiculous if it all turns out to be true and that Tether is being used to boost the price of Bitcoin. But, I, you know, honestly, my gut says that's not what's going on. But the Tether FUD still exists. And this is actually a rather nasty piece because if they're clearly wrong in the examiner's report, and because that examiner's report was released to the public as a, as a news item, people could be liable for besmirching Tether's name. And if I was Paolo, I'd already have lawyers in the room figuring out how to prove that it's not true. And second, how are we going to sue these motherfuckers into oblivion? Let's continue on with United States senators. Well, they say Silvergate further introduced crypto risks into traditional banking. Liam Kelly, Decrypt.co, American lawyers 
have more questions for the embattled crypto bank Silvergate. In a new letter to the firm CEO, Alan Lane, three U.S. senators allege, and I'll bet Elizabeth Warren is one of them, that the crypto bank's dealings with the ill-fated FTX exchange, quote, further introduced crypto market risk into the traditional banking system, demanding that Silvergate provide more information. Here it is, signed by Elizabeth Warren, John Kennedy, and Roger Marshall. So we got a Democrat and two Republicans that are in cahoots on this shit. The bipartisan group pointed specifically to a large cash loan Silvergate executed to shore up its accounts amid mass user withdrawals last year. In the fourth quarter of last year, Silvergate announced that users pulled $8.1 billion in crypto deposits, something commentators have called worse than a Great Depression era bank run. Due to the bank's close ties with the now defunct FTX, this wave of withdrawals was likely related to worried investors safeguarding their money amid the ongoing contagion. If you hadn't have kept your shit on there in the first place, you wouldn't have had anything to worry about now, would you? Get your shit off exchanges, people. The same quarterly filing also indicated that Silvergate sold roughly $5.2 billion in debt securities, as well as drew a $4.3 billion loan from the Federal Home Loan Bank to shore up its accounts. That's right. That's right. The Federal Bank that's designed for home loans somehow or another is involved in this FTX, Silvergate, Celsius, all the bullshit. Yeah, that's your United States government. Although the Federal Home Loan Bank may not actually be federal at all because the Federal Reserve is about as federal as federal is expressed. But continuing on, it was the latter loan that drew the trio of senators' ire. Quote, if Silvergate were to fail, as have banks facing a fraction a fraction of the withdrawal rates Silvergate has faced, FHLB could assert statutory lien priority on other assets, essentially putting the home loan bank ahead of all other creditors, including the FDIC, a.k.a. Federal Deposit Insurance Company, deposits, uh, Deposit Insurance Fund, the letter read. This, the senators argued, could ultimately leave leave the FDIC and therefore the American taxpayer holding the bag. Yeah, probably. The letter concludes with an extensive questionnaire to gather more information about the relationship between FTX, Alameda Research, and Silvergate. The crypto bank is expected to respond by February 13th at the latest. Okay, so again, the federal home loan bank was loaning money to crypto banks and then the whole thing collapsed. If the Federal Home Loan Bank is indeed federal and actually a part or overseen directly by any institution of the United States federal government, then the question becomes, why did you let this shit occur in the first fucking place? That's on your watch. It's your fault. This is not what the Home Loan Bank was created for. But even if it wasn't, Now the FDIC is getting dragged into it. And if you don't know, the Federal Deposit Insurance Company or corporation or whatever it is, is in fact federal. And it guarantees that you will get at least $250,000 out of your bank if that bank collapses. And if you've got $250,000 in deposits with that bank, you'll get that money back from the FDIC. Because they have 
like $2 billion in reserve to be able to do that with. Now, of course, the FDIC is insuring $9 trillion worth of bank deposits. So sure, you'll get your $250,000, right? Bullshit. No, you won't. Now, moving on. The new deal with NYDIG and B. Riley cuts Bitcoin miner Greenridge's debt by $61 million. Greenridge has been in the news because it looks like they might be going belly up, but $61 million cash infusion on the way. Will McCurdy tells us how. Decrypt.co. Embattled Bitcoin miner Greenridge Generation has finalized its debt restructuring plans with investment bank B. Riley and crypto investment firm NYDIG, reducing its total debts by $61 million. In December of 2022, the miner announced that there was a substantial doubt about its capacity to continue as a business, saying that its board of directors had actively discussed the possibility of voluntary bankruptcy. Green Ridge said the new agreements with its two major lenders have reduced its debt balances from approximately $87 million to just $26 million. Guys, that is a substantial decrease, and this could work. It could work. As per the announcement, Green Ridge has restructured its secured debt with NYDIG of approximately $76 million, which includes accrued interest, reducing it to approximately $17 million. The terms of the deal included the transfer of approximately 2.8 exahashes of mining capacity, as well as mining infrastructure, as well as equipment. The new deal with NYDIG also includes the potential to reduce the debt even further by another approximately $7 million if Greenridge can facilitate the rights to a new mining site on behalf of NYDIG within three months. Greenridge was also able to reduce its $11 million promissory note to type of debt repayment agreement uh, with B. Riley to just $9 million in cash obligations. The terms of that include B. Riley agreeing to purchase $1 million of Greenridge's Class A common stock at a reduced rate, with manufacturing holding company Atlas Holding LLC also buying $1 million worth of stock at market prices, not reduced, but at market prices, with B. Riley acting as its agent for the transaction. Now, they want a little bit of that, want a little bit of that grease because they get a fee for handling that, right? Uh, well, it is what it is, what it is, man. Greenridge said, it is also actively pursuing the sale of excess real estate at its site in Spartansburg, South Carolina, actually Spartanburg, South Carolina, which is expected to reduce its debt with B. Riley by yet another $6 million. Uh, and then Decrypt has contacted Greenridge, B. Riley, and NYDIG for additional comment, but nothing has come in yet. This may work. It could very well save Greenridge's bacon. But I love, I love the fact that, uh, let's see, what was it? Where was it? Hold on. Yeah, the new deal with NYDIG also includes the potential to reduce the debt even further by approximately $7 million if Greenridge can facilitate the rights to a new mining site on behalf of NYDIG within three months. What that is, is them saying, hey, we don't have as many hooks in the water as you guys do. We don't know as many people. Our network isn't as big in mining. Tell you what, we'll reduce this shit by $7 million more if you guys go and figure out how to build us a mining facility, you know, secure the land, you know, get us all the shit, you know, do all the work for us and, and we'll pay, we'll basically pay you $7 million, kind of in essence. 
by reducing their debt by $7 million. It's brilliant. This is one way to deploy capital in a non-unethical way. But going further down where it says, uh, yeah, yeah. B. Riley agrees to purchase $1 million of Green Ridges uh, or Green Edge. I think it's Green Ridge. They're spelling it G-R-E-E-N-I-D-G-E, but no matter. The terms that include B. Riley agreeing to purchase $1 million of Green Ridges Class A common stock at a reduced rate with the manufacturing holding company, Atlas Holding LLC, also buying $1 million of the stock at market price or spot with B. Riley acting as its agent for the transaction. That's a little bit more on the, I don't know, I guess it's kind of ethical if Atlas Holdings doesn't have a gun to their head. And Green Ridge, honestly, kind of does have a gun to their head, but still, this is how you deploy capital. You're like, well, I don't have the cash for it, but maybe we can get it out of these guys who owe us a shit ton of money because they know how to do it. It's brilliant. I'm just saying, it's brilliant, but it is also the end of the morning roundup. Wednesday hump day, dad says jokes day. Never blame someone else for the road you're on. That's your own asphalt. All right, I hope you found today's episode enlightening and give you a direction as to how to go and discover things like Noster and my, and I still, again, am going to implore you to please think about ordinals and this inscription of, of you know, basically fungibility finagling of Satoshis in a neutral light until you can come up with your own answer. You'll come up with your own answer and it's probably gonna be a combination between critical thought and a gut feeling. That's where, that's what I'm going to be reaching for because I honestly do not know what to think about it. I love the idea of a 3D printed gun file being publicly viewable by an uncensorable network by looking at an ordinal number for from that Satoshi. I love the idea. I I think I'm probably going to be leaning to ordinals are okay. But I'm also not going to be fooling myself into believing that nobody's going to use this very same shit to fuck up the network. And they will. And the bigger the organization is that tries to do it, the worse it's going to be. Market forces are going to allow us probably filters. <laughs> not that that won't, not that that would solve bloat, data bloat for the Bitcoin blockchain, because if it's there, it's there, but uh, I don't see. I don't know. It's it's it it's a it's a difficult fish to peel. You know, I mean, honestly, this could go either way. But it's going to be up to us to actually put some mental thought into what do we think about this. You know, I mean, are you going to use it? I mean, are you going to even test it? Because every time we even test it, it's going to add to you know the Bitcoin blockchain and we want that thing as lightweight as possible. That's why we didn't go to four terabyte blocks and shit like that. We want the Bitcoin blockchain to be able to be run at least on a single board computer for at least 
you know, another five, 10 years. I don't want to run a server to be able to support the Bitcoin network. It doesn't make sense to me because that's the true nature of of centralization versus decentralization is having it to where it's too expensive for me to run. That's one of the reasons why BSV and BCH are failed projects. Oh, and by the way, Craig S. Wright has indeed said that he owns the patents to relay technology, which is the supporting technology of Noster. So I guess that means William's gonna get sued. Honestly, William, don't even respond. Now, this is not legal advice, but I'm getting to the point where if American citizens don't start calling the fucking State Department and say enough, this guy can go blow. He's not a United States citizen. He has no right to sue me. I'm not responding to this fucking shit. I'll respond to you just to tell you, U.S. State Department, and you also need to contact your own state your own state's state department. You can find them at your, like if you're in Texas, it's the Texas State Department. You can find them in the capital, Texas State Capitals directory. And you call them motherfuckers too and you say, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not going to allow this fucking patent troll to do anything like deplete my funds because it's forcing me to hire a lawyer. You are the protectors of me as a citizen of the state and I would expect the federal State Department to do the same. And until those phone calls and letters and and until that pressure is put upon these people, they're going to allow Craig S. Wright as a goddamn EU citizen to sue every American under the sun at one point or another. And this is exactly one of the reasons the State Department exists in the first place, whether at the federal level or the state level, is to protect its citizenry from being infringed upon, unlawfully detained, any other manner of shit. But by God Almighty, the fact that we're allowing this dipshit to sue people in the United States is beyond my comprehension. I do believe that William that is the JB55, the creator of Domus. I think he might be in Canada. I don't think he has those protections. I don't know. But if Bill, if you're listening to this and you can get to the United States, you need to get here sooner than later. Because this shit, he's going to start doing this crap again. And if somebody comes out with another protocol, he's going to do it again. He's the largest patent troll on the face of the planet. Nobody has ever executed this much bullshit through patent law ever. I mean, I've seen patent trolls come and go. Nobody's like this guy. Nobody. And he has stated, in fact, on his Twitter account that is somehow or another recognized by Twitter as being, you know, clearly him, even though his original account was, uh, well, it, he was suspended permanently for shit that he said on Twitter. He gets to come back, but I don't. Be that as it may, he's going to sue everybody. And he said that he holds the patents for the underlying technology of Noster. Let that sink in. This dude's never gonna stop. It's time for the United States authorities to put their money where their mouth is and at least do something that is remote, that remotely resembles what they were supposed to do when these agencies were first set up. And I'm referring directly to the State Department and the Secretary of State at the United States federal government level and your Secretary of State at your state level. 
If you get anything from Antia LLP, which is Craig Wright's law firm, you need to call your state's secretary of state, and then you need to write a letter and make a phone call to the United States government's secretary of state's office and tell them, no, you expect protection. You expect them to call Craig and Antia and tell them to fuck straight off. Now, what else have we learned? Uh, let's see. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, the whole SBF stuff is kind of funny. Thank God it's winding down. What's left on the table are three things for the other side of the hurricane is DCG, um, Silvergate Bank, and uh, what, 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 oh, oh, Binance. I don't know anything, like I, I have, I'm not in the know. Don't know anything about Binance. Still, lot, probably lots of exposure. So watch out. Watch out, guys. The other part of the storm is coming. I'm surprised that I haven't already seen a whole shit ton of fallout from the bankruptcy of what, or the stuff that's going on with Barry Silbert and GBTC and, and DCG and all that shit. I do know that Coindesk is looking for a buyer. Uh, if I were you, I would not buy Coindesk. It is a terrible outfit. Every once in a while, I read a story from it because they pick up, you know, something from some decent author or other. But honestly, stay as far away from it and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.